thing I forgot to do before we started was check my battery. Am I okay? If not, we'll sing a song. We're good to go. Okay. <clears throat> all right. We're good. I heard about a, a preacher. Uh, that's not true at all. I'm not going to tell that story. Uh, <clears throat> state trooper. That's what it was. It was a state trooper, and he was sitting on the side of the road, and he's, he's waiting for uh, drivers to go by trying to catch some speeding drivers, and he sees a car puttering along at 22 miles an hour. And he thinks to himself, this, this car is just as dangerous as someone that is going well over the speed limit. And so he pulls the driver over and he approaches the driver's car. And there are five old ladies, two in the front seat and three in the back. And they're all just wide eyed and they're white as ghosts. And the driver was obviously confused and says, officer, I, I don't understand. I'm doing exactly the speed limit. What seems to be the problem? And the officer said, well, you weren't speeding, but you were driving much slower than the speed limit. And that can be just as dangerous as going too fast. And she said, slower than the speed limit. I was doing the speed limit. I was doing exactly 22 miles an hour. And the guy says, ma'am, that, that's not a speed limit. That is Route 22. You're driving on Route 22. And the woman was a little bit embarrassed, and she grinned, and she thanked the officer for pointing out her error. And then the officer said, officer said before you go, ma'am, I need to ask you a question. Is everybody in the car okay? These ladies in the back seat and the lady on your passenger side, they, they are white as ghosts. They seem scared to death. Said, oh, they'll be all right in a minute. We just got off of Highway 101. <laughs> True story. True story. We're, we're wrapping up our series today. On boundaries, right? And uh, we, God has given us these boundaries in our lives so, because um, he knows what's, what's best for us. And so today we're, we're wrapping up this two-part series because I feel like our boundaries really help shape who we are, right? Um, in, in the, take this for instance. In the fairy tale, do you remember the story, The Ugly Duckling? Does anybody remember that, that booklet? There's a swan, thinks he's a duck, he's raised by ducks. And then the ducks start treating him cruelly because he's so different from all of the other ducks. And this, this, uh, this guy's just big and he's awkward and he's ugly and he, he, he leads such a hard life that eventually he decides to end it all and he throws himself at the, at, at the mercy of these, this large uh, flock of swans thinking it'd be better if I'm killed by these birds than to go on living like I'm living. And, uh, but much to his surprise, these swans don't kill him. They welcome him. They accept him. And one day he sees his reflection and he realizes He's not a duck after all. He's been a swan this, this whole time. And having discovered his true identity, he spreads his gorgeous large wings and takes flight with his new family. Now, how many of you have ever felt like the ugly duckling? How many of you have ever felt like you just don't fit in? Maybe people have treated you like you don't belong. Um, maybe some people have been so cruel to you. I mean, they might not say it to you outright, but you know just by the way that they act around you, or maybe you hear some things they're saying about you. Maybe you've come to believe deep in your heart that you actually are the person that they say that you are. 
But I'm here to tell you, the real you is not who other people say you are. The real you is not even who you think you are. The real you is who God says you are, right? And God says you are a created, special being, that you are the crown jewel of his creation, that you are a masterpiece. In fact, God says you're so special that I am willing to send my son to die for you. And so I think what we need to do is we need to understand this morning who we are in Christ Jesus and understand uh, the boundaries that have been reinforced because of that and the boundaries that have been removed uh, because of that. And if you're watching today, if you're, you're, you're here in person or if you're watching uh, online, I'm glad you're in church because the church is the family of God. And, and I feel like, uh, you know, just like in the fairy tale, we, we talked about that the church is a people called by God who are supposed to accept people as they are and help them to discover who God says they really are. Because I think that's part of the problem. We don't have to look too far to see that we've got an entire society of people that's been fed this lie about who they are or what they are. And if you're not happy with who you are, you can just do something different and everybody just kind of accept that, you know. But here's what I want us to understand here this morning, that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to... um, And it doesn't matter if you're new here to the church or if you've been coming for a long time. uh, You need to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to get connected with other people who might be more sure of who they are in Christ so they can help walk with you. So you can be a part of this family of faith that can help you understand that God created you as this special being and learn to uh, live like God wants you to live because of who you are, not because of what everybody else says that you are. Does that make sense to you? Uh, I think this is one of the main reasons that we're making plans for our small groups so that people can get more connected. We're, we're developing a new small groups program that we hope everybody will consider getting a part of because we need each other, guys. This world has become so anti-Christian, and we need each other. But I want to tell you something. I believe God is doing something special right now. I think he's doing something special in his church. I think he's doing something special in this, this world. Uh, and and uh, that one thing he's doing here. Last week, I meant to say this earlier when the kids were walking out. Last week in our service, and it's been a long time since we've seen this, we had 54 kids in our church last week. That's... That's incredible, guys. And, and it's not just a numbers thing, but it's a thing that, that God is doing. He's pulling people to him. He's pulling people. And it's not just our church. I talked to my brother. It, it, they're growing at their church. I talked to a, a church this week down in uh, uh, southern Jennings County. That The church building is no bigger than our fellowship hall. They had 162 people in their church last Sunday. And God's doing something. Right? But here's the deal. We as a church need to understand that God is sending people our way and we need to help them to understand who they are in Christ. Okay? We need to help them understand that we need each other. We need to help them understand that God has not created any of us to be Lone Ranger Christians. He has created each of us to be a part of his family. And last week we kicked off this two-part series on boundaries. Today we're going to wrap that up. And uh, I'd like to start with a, with a question. 
for you this morning that I want you to answer to yourself. Have you ever considered how your boundaries shape your sense of identity? I'm guessing most of us haven't, but I want you to consider that this morning, right? Because the Bible has a lot to say about boundaries and who we are in Christ and how those boundaries help determine who uh, we are. It's, it's incredibly relevant to the choices that we make every single day of our lives and how we live our lives here on this earth until Jesus calls us home. And so boundaries are important, and they're important because um, it, 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 it helps to shape our identity in, in Christ. And they're important because boundaries have to do with differentiation. Boundaries is what separates us from the rest of the world. And what I mean by that is this. Genesis tells us that one of the first things that God did when he created the world was he started establishing some boundaries. He separated... I'm having a hard time talking this morning. He separated the land from the sea. He separated the day from the night. He differentiated between the two. God also created the boundaries between different species, he, uh, between human beings. He, he made them male and female. He created all of these different boundaries. And what we see in society is we're trying to change these boundaries that God has established, right? And he also differentiated between his creatures, between creatures and between people. And so he has given us this distinct sense of identity. And as we talked about last week for just a little bit, God even put a boundary around a single tree in the Garden of Eden, right? It was be, it, he, he put this boundary between uh, Adam and Eve and, and the tree uh, of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve weren't allowed to eat from this one tree. And God put this boundary around this tree and it helped serve to differentiate between humans and between God. God was the only one originally who was meant to possess the difference between good and evil. And so our established or our identity gets established by this kind of differentiation, by recognizing who we are, by recognizing that God is who he says he is and we are his creation who are put on this earth to worship him and to serve him. And these boundaries distinguish us from the rest of the world. Okay? So is is everybody with me so far, because I know I've been talking a little bit. I don't know. Uh, someone said I seemed frazzled this morning, and I didn't think I was, and then I got up preaching, and apparently I'm a little frazzled this morning. I don't even know why. But according to the Bible, those of us who follow Jesus Christ have one primary boundary marker that defines who we are above every other factor that exists. It governs all of the other boundaries of our lives, and the primary boundary marker is in the New Testament, and it refers to us being in Christ. When you decide to follow Jesus, when you are baptized into him, God places you in Christ. Meaning that you leave your old life behind and you become identified with Jesus above everything else that's in your life. And at the same time, you are identified with other people who are also in Christ. Christ And that worldwide family, as Dave was alluding to earlier as we gather around the table, that worldwide family is known as the church. And so to be in Christ, you are saying, I'm going to set this boundary around me that defines who I am and how God calls me to live in this world. And this happens in two Specific ways. Being in Christ means that there are some boundaries that get removed and there are some boundaries that get reinforced. Boundaries that are removed in Christ um, 
are, are things that we need to take into consideration. The very first thing, you know, we look at the story of Jesus. We read about his life in the Gospels. It tells the story of, 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 of his life. It tells, when we look at the book of Acts, it tells the story of the first church, the history of the church, and, and how the early church would have seemed a bit strange to the Jewish people because of all of the things that they were doing, because Jesus set aside some of these boundaries that the Pharisees had placed on a lot of people. And, and they had become used to doing all these rules and all of these regulations. And then Jesus comes around and he says, listen, a lot of these things, the way that you're used to doing things, we're removing these barriers. We're removing these boundaries. One example is this, the removal of location boundaries. Because here's what happened. The, the Jews used to believe that you have to go to this specific place to worship. And if you don't go to this specific place to worship, you can't worship. But in Christ, all of these boundaries of location are removed. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. So anything that you do, as long as it's not unbiblical, can be a worship to the Lord. He's removed all of these boundaries. In fact, he has placed his Holy Spirit inside of you so that you can worship him anytime, any place. It's not limited to a building. It's not limited to a geographic location. Instead, it's centered in the person of Jesus. And therefore, by his spirit, authentic Christian worship can take place anywhere. Now, don't use that as an excuse to say, well, Ron said, well, I can worship anywhere I want. So it's going to be on the lake Sunday morning, you know. He also said, in Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of one another or some are in the habit of doing. So, so I encourage you, this is, this is, a, this is a good thing. You, you, you need to be here. But it's not limited to here. You can worship Monday through Saturday. Right? Take place anywhere, all over the world, in person, now even online in most churches or wherever you're at. We see this theme in John's gospel, right? Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at the well. You remember the story in John chapter 4? Samaritans, they, they even worshipped at a different location than the Jews did, right? And the woman asked Jesus about this. When they had this encounter, G, uh, this woman says to Jesus, So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship?" Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. The time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. What this is telling me is we can even go into a house of worship and not really worship Him if we're not worshiping Him in the spirit and truth. Sometimes we come in, we just fill a spot. We're just here because it's another thing to check off of our religious to-do list. God says, I'm looking for people. There's going to come a time, and it's here now, and I'm looking for these type of people who are willing to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so these location boundaries have been removed. And then also, when Jesus came, he, he removed the forgiveness Boundaries. Remember in the Old Testament, eye for an eye, you know, if someone does this to you, you get them back. Jesus said, uh uh, uh that's not the way we do it. Matthew's gospel, we read this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 
By this, Jesus doesn't mean that once you've forgiven somebody 490 times, 491, you don't have to. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that your forgiveness should be ongoing. Jesus is using the overstatement. He's using overstatement to make a point. He's basically saying this. God has forgiven you of so much, and his forgiveness is without boundaries, and he loves you so much, your life is to be reflective of the kind of forgiveness that God has given you. The Bible says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, let me point this out. Just because Jesus said you have to forgive without limits, it doesn't mean that you're obligated to remain best friends with someone who has treated you incredibly awful. If someone has hurt you badly, if someone has abused you, I don't think the Bible says you necessarily have to be in a great relationship with them all of the time. You have to forgive them, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to maintain that close personal relationship. And I know that's a tough one, man. That's tough because a lot of people say, well, the only way I'm ever going to reach this person is to maintain this relationship. And that might be true. That's something you have to individually, I think, sort out and pray about in your life. But even if we don't decide to continue a relationship with someone, the Bible makes it very clear that we are to forgive them from the heart, right? Just as the Lord forgives us. And so I ask you, who's God calling you to forgive today? Another boundary removed by Christ, and this is one that's becoming more and more of a hot topic. And it's this, any boundaries that can be used to exclude people on the basis of race, ethnicity, culture, class, gender, those are all removed in Christ. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? And I know that's a hot topic right now, but Jesus proved to us by that meeting with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 that all of these things need to come down. This was a Samaritan woman, right? Jesus was a Jew. He shouldn't have even been talking to this woman according to society, but he was. She was a woman. (gasps) In that day and age, that was a big deal. That was a... (gasps) He shouldn't have even been been talking to her because of that. He was God. And he showed that even God wanted to be in the presence of everyone that was even different than who God was in the flesh. So Jesus came to get rid of all of those boundaries. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes this in chapter 3, verse 28, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Colossians, Paul later writes this, words, uh, he uses these words, Jewish and non-Jewish, religious, irreligious, insider, outsider, uncivilized, uncouth, slave and free. He's saying all of these labels that we tend to put on people in Christ, they mean absolutely nothing. Get rid of them. The Bible makes it very clear that God is a God who in Christ delights in bringing diverse people together in unity. That's his specialty. We read in Ephesians that the Messiah tore down the wall that we used to keep each other at a distance. 
Christ brought everybody together through his death on the cross. It was Dr. Martin Luther King who famously said, it is appalling that the most segregated hour of America, or of Christian America is 10 o'clock Sunday morning. You see, 10 o'clock Sunday morning is the church hour. And Dr. Martin Luther King said, that's the most segregated hour in America. Again, I said, look around. It's true. And these walls need to come down. There was a super sketchy church growth principle that was going around for decades and uh, never agreed with it. But the principle was this. The best way to grow your church in attendance is to focus your efforts on reaching a single people group. As the old saying goes, birds of a feather flock together, right? Just go after those people who are like you. And so if, you know, if you're a Chinese church, you should go after Chinese people. If you're a black church, you should go after black people. If you're a Hispanic uh, church, you should go after those in the Hispanic community. If you're, if you're a white suburban church, you go after white suburbia and so on and so forth. And honestly, it is a, a good way to get numbers up, right? But did Jesus... Lay down his life so birds of a feather could flock together. Making 10 a.m. on Sunday morning the most segregated hour of the week in America. No. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus laid down his life to reconcile all people to God. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus came to smash those dividing walls, those boundaries. That we as people and that Satan is using to keep us separated. Jesus separated Jew from Gentile, slave and free, male and female, rich and poor, red, yellow, black, brown, white. Doesn't matter. And he, he wants to unite all believers. When Jesus prayed that we would all be one, that was part of the prayer. A lot of times we make that a denominational thing, right? Hey, we all need to be one, same denominator. We all need to believe. And, and there's some truth to that as well, that, that we all need to believe like Jesus wants us to believe. There's some truth to that, but I don't think it's limited to that. And sometimes I wonder, what's God calling us as a church to do in this regard? To break some of these boundaries. How is God speaking to you Personally, you see your race, your ethnicity, your gender, so on. They're very incredible aspects of who you are, and they don't go away just because you become a Christian. However, if you are a Christian, the ultimate defining force in your life must be Jesus Christ, not your race, not your ethnicity, not your culture, not your class, not your gender. Who you are is a Christian. It's who you are in Christ. And so in Christ, some of these boundaries that we place, they need to be removed, right? But then there are some also that need to be reinforced. And one, one image that helps us to maybe keep this in mind is, uh, in terms of the importance of boundaries is, is, is that of a river. When a river, when you, ta- when you see a river, in fact, I got a picture. Uh, John, go ahead and put that up there. This is just a beautiful picture of the Kentucky River that's winding its way through eastern Kentucky. And you see all of this lush green uh, countryside and just all of this gorgeous vegetation that's along the river. And it looks great. And as long as the river is in its banks, it looks wonderful. It's beautiful. 
right? But when a river overflows and it violates the boundaries of its banks, this once life-giving water can be devastating, right? This is just some pictures of the flood that happened in eastern Kentucky last year. From a biblical perspective, it's important to understand that the character of Christ sets the boundaries for how we live our lives. Right? We live it like that river just going along and we live it according to the boundaries that God has established for us. It can be beautiful. It can be life-giving. It can be amazing. But once we start to go outside those boundaries of what God has called us to, it can be devastating and it can be downright ugly and it can lead to death. And God calls us to reinforce these boundaries for our own protection. Again, like I said last week, he's not just some killjoy. He's not just trying to take away our fun. But this is the abundant life that he's promised us. Live this way and you will have abundant life. See, God calls us to maintain Strong boundaries between sin and virtue in our lives, right? Boundaries that keep sin out also allows room for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. In the New Testament, there's, there, there's these lists. There's a bunch of lists of sin and virtues. These are the things you don't do. These are some of the things that you should do. And here's a passage from Galatians uh, from the sin list, just so we're clear. You might want to write these down. These are the things you don't do, okay? Here's what he says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, right? And then he, Paul just starts to list these things, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The world's going to say just the opposite. This is how you find happiness. You want to be free? Do whatever you want to do. But God is saying, you want to be free? Live within these boundaries. And then Paul goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In other words, where there are no boundaries that get uh, put, uh, there are no boundaries that get put on our virtue list, right? In other words, you, you can have as many of these wonderful things that he's talking about as, to the nth degree, but this other list... He's saying, let's stay away from that. I want you to read this out loud with me, all right? Uh, and, and just see how these words might soak in and what Jesus might be saying to you this morning. Read this out loud with me. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I hope that maybe something stirred in your heart there when you read those words. That maybe you felt the Holy Spirit's conviction in an area of your life that needs to be put to death. That needs to be nailed to the cross. Hopefully you sensed God's loving yet urgent invitation to reinforce the boundaries in your life. Between the sin that destroys 
and the cultivation of Christ-like virtue that needs to take place in each of our lives who call ourselves Christians. When it comes to boundary, boundaries, verse 24 especially, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You talk about boundary setting. When you nail something to something, it ain't going nowhere. It's staying right there. When you nail something down, you give it a fixed boundary, right? Something that's nailed down cannot violate any boundaries because it can't move. And that's why Paul is saying, listen, you need to nail whatever sin it is that you're dealing with, whatever temptation it is that you're dealing with, you need to nail it to the cross so that it can't move. It stays right there. What's God saying to you this morning about boundary setting when it comes to nailing down sin? Because I think when we start to do that, when we start to nail our sins to the cross, that allows the Holy Spirit to do its work in our lives to cultivate all of this stuff that the Bible talks about. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. Do you need to set firmer and clearer boundaries about what you watch on TV or what you look at online? Do you need to set firmer boundaries around the material that you read or how you spend your time, how you spend your money, who you hang out with, your speech? I think that's one that slips up on Christians that we don't think. We see all these others, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me, oh, yeah, that's me. And then, you know, speech is like, we don't pay attention to that all that much, I think. At least that's been my experience. The psalmist uh, says this, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Boy, that's a prayer we all need, amen? I saw this on Facebook the other day. I thought it was great. You might want to write this down. Sometimes the thoughts in my head get so bored they go out for a stroll through my mouth. This is rarely a good thing. Amen. I read that and I'm like, oh, so that's what happens. My thoughts are just bored and bloop, out they come. What is God saying to you in this regard about any of these, about this boundary setting when it comes to shutting out sin and nailing it to the cross and making space for God to cultivate that Christ-like virtue in your life? Because here's the deal, really, honestly, The essence of sin really is a violation of boundaries. That's what sin is. God's told us to not do this or to do this. And we don't live within those boundaries. That's sin. Adam and Eve, they violated the boundary. God had set around that one forbidden tree in the garden. And so really, sin is either to cross a boundary that God has established or it's to make our own illegitimate boundaries that aren't even of God. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the greatest boundary that we would ever have to face was removed. The way that we could get to God, the way that we could freely approach the throne of God was removed. 
That boundary between us and God. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, when he died, the Bible tells us that the curtain in the temple, the curtain to the holy of holies, it, it tore. And it, and it didn't just tear some random way. It tore from top to bottom. And that's pretty significant, right? Because it's a whole lot easier if a couple guys get together and say, hey, hey, uh, Josiah, get the scissors, and we're going to cut the bottom, and you get on that end, and I'll get on this end, and we're going to rip it, and it's going to rip, and it's going to go from the bottom all the way to the top. You could rip it that way, right? But the Bible says it was torn from top to bottom. Two guys couldn't have done that back then. It was too high. It was too big. No way for it. Twenty guys couldn't have done that. The only reason we know that was done is because God did it. That's the only way it could have been done. And he ripped that, that veil, he ripped that curtain to say, listen, guys, there is no longer separation between God and man. Jesus came to give us direct access to his throne. God has made it very simple for us through his son Jesus to boldly approach him. And he says, you confess Jesus as the Christ and you repent of your sin. In other words, you turn away from it and you're baptized into him. And after you do that, you start living your life for Jesus with these boundaries that he set up for us. You're going to see an incredible difference in your whole life. You're going to change. In fact, the Bible says you're a new person. All the old is gone. All that junk that you did in your past is no more. And now when Jesus or when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see us. He doesn't see our sin. He sees his perfect son. Guys, that's life changing. Because sometimes what we see in ourselves is not very pretty. It's not very good. But God sees us as his child. And there's some of you here this morning. You, know, um, you might be thinking, listen, you don't understand that God can't remove this boundary that I've got right now. He can't remove it. There's just too much junk between me and him. No, that's not true. That is not true. We read throughout scripture and we know from a personal basis that God has saved sinner after sinner after sinner. Regardless of what that sin might be. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We're going to offer a song of decision this morning. And if you're here, you've never made that decision to surrender your life to Christ and be baptized into him. We want to give you that chance to do that today. We believe that's where it starts. By confessing him. Turning away from your sin. Be baptized into him, the Bible says, for the washing away of your sins. The Bible says he wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit to lead us, to tell us, remind us of those boundaries so that we can live our best life for him. I want to ask you to stand with me. If you're watching online, you want to reach out to us through our church connection number. That's going to be on the screen for you to uh, message us. would love to reach out to you. Maybe you're here today. You want to make that decision to follow Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're just struggling with some things. You've, you've, just like that river, you have gone over the banks. 
and your life's a mess. And it's led to a lot of destruction. Maybe you just need prayer today. Um, We'd love to pray with you. We're going to sing this song um, as it just talks about Jesus and his wonderful, powerful, beautiful name and how it can turn you from what you once were to what he wants you to be. Let's pray.